Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I sit down with Jeff Bean. Jeff is the CMO of a company called Formlabs. Formlabs is this really cool company in a space that not too long ago, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know if it would be gimmicky. I didn't know if everyone would be doing this and in what applications. That is the space of 3D printing. Now, what's really intriguing to me as a B2B marketer is understanding the applications for 3D printing in this space. We're talking about applications for dentists, for medical experiences, all these different go-to-markets, and it created a really interesting discussion for any marketer on content strategy. Where do you focus when you're still learning the different applications for your offering? Chatting with Jeff today, we went into this idea of understanding your market and going deep in the ones where you start to see buy-in from those audiences and really building that out. There's some great examples on how to test and how to go all in. Here's my chat with Jeff B. We usually don't talk too much on this podcast about what the company does. It's more how you approach the go-to-market, how you became the type of leader you are. But I think it's really unique to understand the 3D printing space. Given being a CMO, I assume you've got to be a product whiz. After all, you're helping companies build products. How much of your career, which looks to have a lot of roots in product marketing, has helped you be the type of leader you need to be here? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Randy. And I think, you know, as you said, I have a product and product marketing background. I did not come to Formlabs as an expert on 3D printing per se, but I brought to Formlabs a perspective on the importance of product marketing and product understanding in our customers' minds. And we certainly, we sell a a technical product. I mean, at the simplistic level, 3D printing is easy to understand. We're taking a liquid material and turning it into a physical material. And that can be used for a variety of use cases, whether that's prototyping products or end-use products. And, you know, you can simply understand how, how 3D printing works. But there's pretty deep science and technical depth behind that. And it's important for us as marketers, as salespeople, as a company to be able to relate to our buyers and how they think about how 3D printing can be applied to their use cases and to their pain points. And so it is really understand, really important, excuse me, for I think the marketing team and especially marketing leadership and product marketing to be able to understand that technical depth and be able to connect at that level with our buyers. So I've worked for a few companies now where we are more technical and product led and having that product background that I have, I think is really important for a marketing leader. So an interesting reality you were referring to earlier before we recorded was that amid the pandemic, you didn't have the luxury of necessarily working remotely because you were building a physical product here. People had to be in the office. Not focus so much on that part, but how much of this has been a shift for you working for a company that creates physical goods? You've marketed more software before. How's the shift been? Yeah, that 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 absolutely. This is the first 
sort of pure hardware company I worked for. All my background before this was in software, and it, it definitely is different from a marketing perspective for a variety of reasons. One, yes, there's a physical product that we all learn how to use and we touch and we play with and we engage with on a regular basis. There's also interesting uh, from a from a product marketing standpoint, as we bring new products to market, there's a whole element of manufacturing and supply chain and production that I haven't had to worry about before in software, where before it was, you know, the software engineers were done and they checked their code in and they validated it and we could in, and pretty much instantly replicate it out to as many customers as we want. Here, we produce some amazing printers. And then the key is how do we manufacture those on a reliable basis and get those printers out to our customers? And it adds you know, additional elements of complexity that I hadn't had to deal with from a, from a getting product to customer perspective. Um, but at the end of the day, from an overall perspective, the marketing is still the same. We are still marketing a piece of technology that solves a customer's needs. And that's the key here is how do we connect what we're building to pain points or needs that our customers have, whether that's software or hardware or services or whatever that may be. So we're definitely going to hit more on the marketing side shortly, but I want to come back to this leap that you had to make. And anyone making a leap in their career could be overwhelming because let's be honest, when most people look at a resume, and I'm no difference, I'll label someone. You're either a hardware guy or a software guy or this type of marketer. Yep. How did you make that shift at this point in your career? Because it's a lot easier to make it early. Was this something that you had to pitch to the CEO of Formlabs or did they have to pitch you to make this leap? Yeah, I, it's, it's absolutely a fair point. And I do think, especially for some roles, it is really important to have that software background or that hardware background. But I think, again, the pitch that... Max made to me, the CEO made to me here was about the market opportunity and the potential that Formlabs was really disrupting a market that had been around for a while and the opportunity for me to come on board as a marketer and really help lead that disruption. And my pitch back to him was how I had led other companies through that similar opportunity and that I had, you know, Formlabs was not the first company to invent 3D printing. 3D printing had been around for a while. We were disrupting it and really trying to change people's perspectives of it. And that's what I think I brought to the table here year was an ability to disrupt and influence an existing market with a much better set of techno with much better set of products and much better technology. And the fact that that was hardware instead of software, honestly, that was secondary to the overall sort of marketing, the marketing goals here. There were definitely things I needed to learn on the hardware side, but the overall mission of really getting Formlabs on the map and putting establishing us as a real disruptor and leader in an established industry was something I was excited to do and felt that I had some experience doing. So now as you're building out a team as a CMO, you've probably got great people from your career that you can bring on. But I'm curious, what's one of those gap roles, perhaps moving into this new space, hardware focus, where you couldn't just pick someone from your past or bring someone who you've worked with in a certain discipline. Yeah, I, ironically, it's the area that I come from most, which is product marketing, where that is an area where I have really wanted to find people in product marketing who have mechanical or electrical engineering backgrounds, who really understand that level of technology and ideally have worked at hardware companies. So 
that's not a background that I had. So I didn't have my network there to pull upon. So I've had to reach out, you know, well outside my network to find people like that. But again, because of my view on the role that product marketing plays and the importance of product marketing at a company like Formlabs, that was an area where I didn't feel like I could afford to have somebody who really didn't have that technical depth or, or, or sort of understanding of hardware and the engineering properties of that. So that, that has been the gap for me. I, ironically, again, the area that I feel like I'm deepest in. This isn't your first CMO gig. I know you've had other opportunities as well as being a VP. And I'm curious what changes each time you go for that CMO gig. How did you approach vetting the opportunity this time versus the first? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great question. I think earlier in my career, when I was first stepping into marketing leadership roles, to me, the step was, I want to take a marketing leadership role. And it was, let me grab whatever, almost to the point of, let me grab whatever marketing leadership role I can, because I want to prove that I can do that. Having done a couple of these now and having a couple that have been quite successful and a couple that unfortunately, frankly, were not, and you can see those as the shorter stints on my resume, what I've learned is to really look for sort of a couple critical things. And the first and by far the most important to me are the people that I'm going to be surrounded by and the people that I'm working with. And whenever candidates ask me what I like most about Formlabs, it always is the people. And that's what I spent the most time evaluating and understanding here. And I, I really like the team we have at the leadership level, as well as across the marketing team at this point. The second is especially in technology hubs like Boston, you find a lot of companies that have technology looking for a problem. And I think by contrast here we have, there's a real market opportunity that we are uniquely solving, that people want to use 3D printing to solve more of their business problems. And up until now, 3D printing has either been wildly inaccessible because of its cost or complexity, or it has not been reliable enough to produce quality parts. And Formlabs came in with a real sweet spot product that is very accessible and produces fantastic parts and solved a real problem. And my, my point there is there's a, a real business problem that people are looking for a solution for that we have. And having that connection, I think, is really valuable. I've, I've worked at companies that have great people whose products just don't solve a real problem. And lo and behold, you don't sell a lot of those things. And so this is, I think this is what's really set Formlabs apart is the people and a product that solves the real business problems. I really like that nice, simple criteria, especially the second point. I don't think it's something we think often enough. We always talk about product market fit, yeah. but maybe not enough about our ability to actually solve the problem in that market. Speaking of which, we're going to go way deeper into go to market in the second half of this podcast. Quick break and right back here with Jeff. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. 
This conversation with Jeff is reminding me that any point in our career, we can make a jump to another path or another journey. Now, if you look at Jeff, he made a really drastic one, moving from the software space into a hardware space. And he plays it off like it wasn't that big of a change. And he did this because he focused on where he had strengths. I remember when I moved from a non-tech world altogether into the world of tech, I focused on creating a company around the things that I could connect to, the focus I had in marketing and the problems that I experienced and how I felt like I could solve for them. This is your opportunity. Look at your strengths, figure out how your strengths can help a company that may not be in the industry or field you're in and use that as your way in the door. So Jeff, I'm going to be super honest around this whole 3D printing space. I know there's a huge market for it, but sometimes beyond knowing that my nephews love to build 3D projects at home, I don't understand where the opportunities begin and end within business. And I'm curious for you, how do you decide where to start educating the market for a solution like this? Yeah, it's a great challenge for us because 3D printing can be used by just about any industry that makes things or designs things, whether that's architects or jewelers to dentists and doctors to you know uh, manufacturers at consumer products or electronics companies. So there is an extremely wide audience for this, which is both a great opportunity, but a real challenge from a marketing perspective. And so we do think a lot about trying to connect more with the buyers and their their industries and understand the problems that they're trying to solve and connect how 3D printing can help them. Traditionally, 3D printing has been most used in manufacturing industries for prototyping. So if you think about whatever product you're making, whether you're making an iPhone case or a mug or a chair or whatever you're making, you come up with different models and different designs before you actually go into final production. And 3D printing has been proven time and time again to speed that process of design iteration. Because rather than coming up with a design on paper or in a CAD program and then waiting a couple of days to see that model come back from some external manufacturing organization, you can print up that model yourself, look at it, make a couple of tweaks, print another model, look at it, make tweaks, and it really speeds that time to market. So that's the, that's the entree point for a lot of larger organizations into 3D printing. But as you say, at the end of the day, there are there are myriad opportunities for 3D printing across just about every industry. Huh, that's wild. You're actually throwing me way back to the beginning of my career. This is some 20 years ago before 3D printing was even a thing. And I worked for a company called Rubbermaid, and many of you probably know some of their products. So back then, they actually shipped me to China to go to a bunch of factories to get prototypes built. Sometimes I was waiting a week to see that prototype. Sometimes I had to then go back home for that item to be shipped yep. weeks or months later. And it's amazing to think about the speed to market that's now possible. And with this, I start to envision all these opportunities. Now, earlier I went onto your website because I was curious about some of these opportunities and I could see various industries that you're targeting. Areas like dentical, medical, jewelry. I mean, these are areas that I haven't even thought of before visiting your site. I'm curious, are you targeting these because you have 
outreach or because you believe it's an untapped market? To be honest, Randy, a lot of those, they started as opportunities that we got pulled into. We set out to make a 3D printer to make it, our, our overall mission is to enable anyone to make anything. And then we hear sort of what our customers are doing. And dental is a great example of that, where we did not initially set out to be a dental 3D printing company, but we got pulled into that by some dental labs and some clinical practices. And all of a sudden we find that dental is a huge part of our industry. In fact, we have a whole separate dental business unit and dental website and everything. And we're going into dental practices and showing them how they can print diagnostic models, surgical guards, occlusal guards, clear liner models, all these different very specific dental use cases that we didn't set out to initially solve, but our customers pulled us into, and then we figured out how can we continue to make our products better to solve those specific use cases. So it's a good sort of back and forth where we have initially a general purpose tool of 3D printing, and then especially through the different materials that you can use on those printers, you can solve very specific applications within industries like dental or medical or aerospace or other segments. Very cool how you describe this. And if people tuning in here want to follow along, because you're probably on a mobile device, they can open up dental.formlabs.com for an example of one of those websites. And what I love there is to your point, it actually feels not like you're on a landing page, if you will. It feels as though this is what you do. You solve for dental industry. Uh, It feels like if I didn't know Formlabs, I would think you're a dental provider. And I think that's the approach that we need more and more with our content to feel like it solves for our audience. So I'm curious with that, from a content perspective, when you're going out, do you have individual content teams for each vertical, different product marketing teams, or is there more shared resources to help attack this go-to-market? Yeah, I think so. Dental's a bit of a special case for us because we do have more of a dedicated team there because it is different enough. And in fact, when I first got here, one of the things I heard was that marketing to dental is different because dentists love seeing pictures of bloody teeth and the rest of us really don't. And so we need to have different different materials for dental than we do for engineers. And so we do have, and in fact, if you look through the dental website, make sure you're in the right mode to be looking at some of the pictures on there of how our product is being used. But the point is that really connects with that audience. So yes, we do have specialists here who are real dental industry experts, and they've been in the dental industry for many years, and they write in a way that connects with those audiences. We are not a big enough company that we can do that for the 15 or 20 other industries that we serve. And so we look at sort of the biggest sectors that we go after. I think medical more generally is another area that we're digging deeper and deeper into and have more specialists now looking at other places that hospitals and medical device companies are using our technology and how we can connect with them. Um, There was actually a really cool story that just came out yesterday about uh, Zoo Tampa down in Florida and how they are using our product to help restore a toucan's nose that had to have surgery. And they're literally grafting a replacement part on that using our resin and saving that bird's life. And it's it's a very specific veterinary use case that we didn't set out to solve, but we have a hospital partner now or a hospital customer down there, the University of South Florida Hospital that uses us, uses our technology in a variety of ways, saw an opportunity and went out and solved it with our printers. Okay. So first of all, I think that example is so cool. 
But it also brings me to maybe my last question, which is how do you draw the line between a cool story and focus as a brand? Because you could take that story, show it to a dentist, and one may say, coolest story ever. And the next one may say, well, that's cool, but I'm not a zoo. How do you help me? <laughs> so how do you yes. know how to define your strategy and when you can intermingle different stories into your go-to-market versus being hyper-focused? Yeah, it's, it's it's a good point. I, I don't think I have like a magic formula to answer that. We definitely do look at some stories as sort of the virality of that story and how much just general market play we'll get from that. And there are some stories we do purely because it's a really cool human interest story that's going to get very broad play. And a lot of people are going to hear about Form Labs and it, it casts a wide net. When I think about more from a pure content marketing perspective, we try to be more focused in on who are the audience we're trying to serve for and, and what are they going to relate to? Because you're right, dentists aren't going to relate to Zoo Tampa story. A general market audience is going to say, oh, cool, Form Labs. I didn't know about them. Let me learn about them because I just read about the Zoo Tampa story. And instead, for dentists, when you go to the dental website or when we're sending out campaigns to dentists, that's going to be about how major dental laboratories are deploying our technology or how individual clinical practices have improved patient outcomes because uh, of our product. So it, it is it is definitely tailoring the content and the story to be more towards the audience or the purpose that we're trying to reach, whether that is trying to engage specific prospects or just raise general market awareness for who Formlabs is. Interesting. So just a quick follow-up question there. With all these product lines and go-to-markets, is there an individual who oversees all content strategy for the brand yes. and then perhaps, I don't know, individual stakeholders for, say, dental? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have somebody who oversees our overall communi global communication strategy and looks at that sort of more holistically. And then there are people that are more specialized for how do I apply that to the dental industry or how do I apply that to the medical industry um, or even how do I apply that to a specific product line that we have? Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I am learning a lot here including the fact I think I want one of these <laughs> machines, but uh, I don't know if I'll get one, but we'll keep you around here regardless. I'll learn a little bit more after this last break on The Marketer's Journey. Unpacking Jeff's go-to-market, there's a really big takeaway around being targeted versus trying to be really broad and wide in our messaging. A lot of us, when we have a product, we want to try and have as many people buy it as possible. But sometimes when we're early in growth, it's better to be targeted on a certain segment. We can see with Formlabs how they go after certain segments and when they get penetration, they build out things like their entire own website experience. Ones that they're still understanding get more of a landing page experience and ones that are maybe broader go to the home this approach of segmenting our messaging and our content is one that all of us should try to apply. It's not always possible to be the solution for everyone. We can get there, but we get there through winning in the different markets and opportunities that are in front of us today. All right, Jeff, we have unpacked your career journey, the buyer journey. Now I got some rapid fire questions for you. And when we were talking about your career, we talked about the jump from software to hardware, 
uh, even though within B2B, that's a big shift, but there's no bigger shift than jumping to be a CMO. As you look at the next CMO who's on your team, perhaps, are they coming from being more of a generalist in marketing or more a specialization? I think at a company like Foreign Labs that are coming heavily from a product orientation, a product marketing orientation. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. I can see how, depending on the company, the type of specialization may play a more valuable role. Yeah. All right. Let's get to my next question for you. What is something that you preach to your team to do more on a daily basis, regardless of their role? Talk to customers. The more that they're talking to customers and, and hearing firsthand how our customers talk about our products, the better. I'm going to slide in a quick follow-up question there, Jeff. How much of that is getting on a phone or getting face-to-face? What's the best way to interact with the customer, in your opinion? It, certainly, this has changed a little bit over the last couple of years, but I still prefer the face-to-face. And trade shows are an invaluable place to do that. We do a ton of trade shows, and those have come back with a roar now, thankfully. But getting out there and talking to customers face to face and or going out and visiting them because we have a physical product and and literally watching them use our product or talking them through how they're using our products and what they're doing with it. I think that is invaluable experience for anybody in marketing. Oh, I can only imagine the show and tell factor must be fun just to see people's reaction. Now, one of the areas we talked a lot about today was the right content for the right audience. What in general, though? makes for great content in your eyes? I think there's two things that come to mind. The first is something my team has heard me say many times, which is they say content instead of we say content. And the more that we can get our voice of customer and hear directly what our customers say, as I said a minute ago, learning that firsthand from listening to our customers and then relaying that, I think that's incredibly valuable. That's going to connect more with our buyer. And the second is getting to the why. I go back to sort of the famous Simon Sinek, start with why and and the need to really connect with why people want to use this product before you get into how and what it does. And so I, I push the team a lot on, again, they say sort of voice the customer directly in the content and focusing on the why. Well put. And if you haven't read that Simon Sinek book before, just search Golden Circle on YouTube and you'll find a gem to give you an overview. Now, my last question for you today is maybe the hardest one is CMO. We get bogged down in so many various strategies, but how do you take breaks? How do you focus, whether it's on family or some of your personal priorities? Yeah, I don't know that I have a great strategy per se, but it's definitely something that I prioritize and I really try to both lead by example and push my team to do. And that is to take personal time and family time. For me, that's getting outside. I've always been an outdoors person and whether that's, you know, getting out and hiking, it really clears clears the air and, and clears the thoughts or skiing or running or biking or just getting outside as much as possible and, and disconnecting and not having a device on me that I'm constantly checking, but instead, you know, checking the mountains and the birds and the trees and the air and just enjoying the great outdoors. That's great advice. Really getting outside is such a break that all of us need on a daily basis, whether it's something as aggressive as going on that ski hill or just going for a walk. These days, you got to make it part of your mix. Exactly. Jeff, I can't thank you enough. You've shared so much on your career journey, your go-to-market buyer journey, and on personal balance. And if you've stumbled into this podcast for the first time, check out all the other great marketers who have joined us on 
Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Every marketer's journey is a little bit different. I know you're taking one of your own and hopefully one day you'll be here to share it. Until next time, a big thanks to Jeff and for joining the Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.